Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott, and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited for this week's conversation as well. This is episode 178 of the Find Your Awesome Podcast. And this week's guest is Hannah Hermanson. Hannah, like me, is a 4-6 manifesting generator. She is super, super, super sparkly. And this conversation is super sparkly and electric. Hannah inspires us all to make our dream lives our real lives. She is a super powerful agent of change who is following the joy and just setting these amazing, inspiring, sparkly, golden love light ripples out into the world. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'll meet you on the other side. Now I love you. Go forth and be awesome. Hannah, I'm so excited to do this with you. We had so much fun playing together on your show and now you're here and I get to share you with my audience and not just you, but your energy and your sparkle and your extra, extra sparkle <laughs> is your, your like primary gift. So I want to start by just like introducing you to everyone. Like, who are you? What do you stand for? Why are you here? How'd you get here? Start wherever you want. Yeah. I am Hannah with one H. We were just talking about that. Um, it's, it's interesting. I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin and Kelsey just asked me, you know, kind of off the cuff before, you know, have you always been Hannah with one H? And I said, yeah, my dad wanted me to have a unique name and my mom wanted me to have like a classic name. And so this is what they landed on. Hannah is a classic name, but let's spell it uniquely. And that actually just kind of shines a light on, um, some of my fabric. So I was born in small town, Wisconsin. My parents did the right thing, if you will. So my mom works in schools. My dad works for the city. We worked hard during the week so we could sit on the couch during the weekend. And that was kind of, you know, how, how I grew up. And I was also really interested in doing the right thing. So I studied hard. I worked hard in school. I got the A's. I went to college and I stayed on the straight and narrow until I started to travel. So I was actually 19 before I left the country. And my first trip out of the country was not on like family vacation. It was to work in an orphanage in the Dominican Republic. And I learned so much that those senses I had, that feeling of like, this can't be the only way to live. I think I want something different for myself, but I don't know what that is. Travel was the thing that finally allowed me to realize there are many ways of living, being, and working. And so I took that knowledge and I did continue to pursue education with this idea that, man, maybe if someone had just told me sooner that there were other worlds out there, I would have taken those paths earlier. As if, you know, being 24 was the end of the road and I you know, had lost my chance of finding a new path. So I became an academic advisor. And I really thought that was the dream job of helping young people chart their course and figure out what they want to be when they grow up and then make a game plan to, to do that. I found myself in a cubicle, though, surrounded by four gray walls 
sliding the same worksheet across my desk every half an hour. So here are the 40 choices for majors. Here's how it's gonna break down over the next four years. Good luck. And again, that feeling of like, there's gotta be more. There's something different. You know, Tony Robbins calls it like that sleeping giant. Kelsey, maybe you call that like our sparkle mm-hmm. <laughs> that I hadn't listened to. And so as an action taker, as a type A personality, if you will, I started to explore other avenues. Again, I continued to travel and I wound up in yoga, which I really fell in love with yoga to the point where I would play hooky from my day job and go to yoga at like 10 a.m. and just say I was at a meeting across campus. But I would look around that yoga class and I would be like, how are you here? Not everyone is playing hooky from their desk job. How do you have free time at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday? So I started just asking people and making friends in yoga, which then led me to um, connect with a woman who was starting a startup, teaching teachers mindfulness and yoga for their classrooms. Never mind, that's the dream job. Actually, that's what I want to do. So I did end up working for it's Breathe for Change as the startup. Um, in that startup and they, they took me on full time and then brought me out to San Francisco. Wonderful. That thing I had been asking for, like there's something different. There's a different way of living than what I see in small town, Wisconsin. San Francisco was very different <laughs> and, you know, showed me more opportunity again. However, as startups in life works, I got laid off about five weeks after coming out to California by myself. Again, everything is new. But at that point I had, you know, enough, um, exposure to something different, that thing I had been looking for that I knew I wasn't going back. I wasn't going to get a cubicle job. And so that really set me down this, you know, path of solopreneurship. Um, and we can get more into that, but I think that, that brings you up to speed enough for now. (laughs) I love so much the, 10 a.m. yoga and looking around and being like, how do you do it? Um, that for, for me, after I quit my job, I, I was like all about the 10 a.m. yoga or everything. The freedom Freedom! is amazing. (laughs) And I remember just like the comments throughout the years of, it must be nice. It must be nice to like, wait, no, no, no. It is nice. It is amazing to make my own schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the, in the Midwest, oh. it's this like super passive aggressive. Oh, good for you. Good for you. You're traveling again. Good for you. Must be nice. Lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just want to send so much love to the people who don't, who haven't yet embraced their own courage sparkle everything to to make their own schedule to take their power back yeah at least the power of our schedule is such a little thing and yet it's ginormous yeah having that experience though I mean in college I was like taking all the classes working three jobs again just like I had this like achiever mindset that I had to do more in order to be more lovable, be more accepted, be more successful. And so it was a hard shift for me to, 
you know, lean into the freedom framework, if you will, and set my own hours and work part time, if you call it that in my own business. And I won't, I journal gratitude about that every single day, because again, without having awareness, like the rat race, I would still be in. And that's such an unfulfilling race to be in just like doing more to then like afford more or become more. Um, and I think I shared this with you on, on my show, I was recently talking to a lifelong friend who's known me through Wisconsin, through doing the right thing, through doing these other you know, um, businesses and whatnot. And she's like, yeah, I was talking to my sister who's in a job she hates and she was laughing and she's like, you know, maybe Hannah isn't the crazy one. Maybe really, really should just follow joy. And it's still so unaccepted to have fun with life, to not just stay in it for the sake of staying in it. Does that make sense? Like, do you still hear any of that kind of stuff? I do. It's funny that you said, does that make sense? Because does it make sense? No, no, we really are here to follow the joy and be happy and play. That's the whole point of this. And it's possible to be super successful in whatever success means to you and to make money and to change the world while playing, while following the joy. Yeah. And I think why I said, does that make sense? It's because it's really difficult to verbalize, to explain, just talking it out. Like I I didn't have a response to that because of the experiential necessity of this type of lifestyle for me. Like I had to see people in yoga to be like, that's a real thing. I had to like get laid off to be like, I can figure this out. Mm -hmm. And someone who's so like in it still, like, I, I don't even know besides like firing that, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm still working on the word side of things. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I think, so you're seeing those people in yoga and being inspired by them, inspired and curious, like, how are you here? Oh my God, it's possible for you. So it'd be possible for me too. Whereas somebody in a different mindset could look around and be like, how are you here? Oh, you must have like this, sugar daddy fun kid or like yeah yeah, sugar daddy and and you can look at it from this totally resentful comparison place or I really truly truly believe when we see that something is possible for one person it means it's possible for us too so ride the inspiration yeah yeah and that's true with like where I'm at in my business right now so I've been an online coach for four years and 2020 specifically has inspired thousands of people to become an online coach. And I see that surge and I sometimes, you know, hear from clients or peers like, oh, all this competition, what do you think is going to happen? And like, there are plenty of clients and plenty of proof that this is a legitimate industry. So welcome. I could probably help you out as you're getting started. Um, and I think that, um, having the like achiever mindset is part of is, is still what helps me keep that optimism or that like I know there's opportunity I'm not going to just sit and say oh someone else is a coach or oh someone did that so now I can't I still have that kind of fuel in me that's like great so what's a silver lining so what's the growth opportunity um yeah yeah Good thought. <laughs> so you went from doing the right thing. That's how you describe your childhood and collegiate career. And then being a, uh, an academic advisor, how would you describe where you are now? 
Yeah. I think of that era as like maintaining the status quo, keeping people quiet and happy and attending every Sunday dinner. Right. And now I see myself and I hesitate to say this, but I do see myself as a trailblazer because people, especially in my family, I don't always have to bring it back to that. But even my neighbors where I live in Northern California, people don't do this. They don't think this way. They don't take these kind of risks. They don't bet on themselves like I do. And so I believe that showing people what's possible, that dream life can be real life. This is the name of my business. Like, I know you think I'm a dreamer, but I'm freaking doing it. And I can teach you the same thing. I can show you how to manifest and create, but I just want to be that leader, that trailblazer, that role model that I never had. Mm. I hadn't found. Did you ever find one? Absolutely. She slipped into my DMS and I joined her Facebook group and she became my first coach. Um, you know, which is, is a funny way. Cause you don't always know how those people are going to come. Um, but it was, it's definitely in like my first set of mentors that really helped me, uh, believe that dream life is real life and start to show me some of the concrete steps of getting there. So Hannah, you're, it's so obvious to me that you're here to change the world. Hmm. what is, what's your big vision for the world? Yeah. I love that you say that. I want to just like what we're saying about like words here. I carried around a tote bag all through my twenties that said, be the change you wish to see in the world. Cute, fun. You can see it on Pinterest. You might have it printed out on your wall. It wasn't until I started being this trailblazer and getting this feedback from people that like, Hannah thinks you can just follow joy. Maybe that's a real idea. You know, like these things that we say over and over again, I just want to bring it back to like, it's about the experience. It's about like the day-to-day, like being on a path and like being a change. Um, Because when you said that, I felt something that I used to just hear. Anyway, sidebar. So my vision is to continue showing people what's possible for themselves. I believe that we have enough bakers, pediatricians, hairdressers, coaches, like we come in with these gifts because when we pursue our gifts, society operates correctly. I think that the dis-ease and the hurt and the pain that's happening in society is because people are forcing themselves into blueprints that aren't true to them. So I want to keep showing people that when you play by your blueprint, that agreement, your soul made when you came here to be a baker in a small town or to be a photographer in a big city, and you really pursue those gifts. I want to keep showing people the harmony that lies in that way of being. And I think we need to change um, the way that we teach young people about who they are. I, uh, I'm working on a couple of projects in education right now so that, again, people learn earlier, like how to set a goal, what their strengths are, how to like regulate their anxiety, how to take a deep breath, as opposed to, you know, geometry and, you know, pronoun, agreement, subject, verb. I don't even know what I learned. in a sentence. Yeah. As much as I admit that I was very good at that, I have never (laughs) used it (laughs) since like fifth grade. Right, right. But like, but, but that when that's given to you, you and I, I think you as an athlete, like have that achiever, like you want to take on a challenge. You want to learn it. You want to get good at it. But if you had been given the problem instead of, you know, X plus Y equals Z, if you've been given the problem, like, 
your greatest strength is why you would have figured that out. You would have gotten really great at that. And, you know, I believe that that is what we should be studying and teaching way earlier. Yes. So oh, that gives me chills because <sighs> just have to mouth breathe that in. Um, in human design, we each have our sun personality gifts, which is our, we have all these golden nuggets in our chart. And one of those golden nuggets is diamond encrusted. And for you, it's that extra sparkle, that mm. extra, extra, extra sparkle. I call it sparkle plus plus. For me, <laughs> it's intuition and intuition about the future for other people. Mm. If I had known as a kid yeah. that I was intuitive, Holy moly. Because by the time I learned human design, I had just experienced probably like four years of coaching, meeting all these new people who kept telling me like, Kelsey, you're super intuitive. And I was like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or Kelsey, you can do this too. When they're sharing their intuitive gifts with me. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm just starting to believe it. And then human design comes into my life. And then I learned to read my chart and I'm like, oh, and I just laughed out loud yeah. when I saw oh, intuition is my biggest gift. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why I'm so glad that we've um, connected because I've had this sense that like, I'm here with the sleeping giant. Like I said, like there's something inside of me. I can't explain it. No one's teaching me about it. No one's talking to it. And I don't know how to get it out. Um, and and I, that's still true. And I think a lot of the tools that you have and the insights that our charts can show us is, you know, part of my next step too, to better understand, you know, like personality types and the, the truth and like the science behind that, that sense that I've had. Yeah. I did to know. So how many people are like, I don't know, account managers or miserable account managers and apologies to every account manager out there. Because I picture, I think of it as like, it doesn't actually tell me what the person is doing. So that's why I'm picturing, I'm thinking of that label, but like miserable account managers who are here to, to create, to create art, to create plays to create poetry mm -hmm. and and that's what they're actually supposed to give gift yeah. to the world and we're missing out on that yeah yeah I mean you can play with that after work and and hope that it you know kind of scratches the itch for you um but here's a really stark example so of me doing this. Okay. So I, for the last like year and a half, I worked inside of another coaching company and it was a great opportunity when I started, it was kind of the same, like startup vibe. It checked all of my non-negotiable boxes. Um, but we grew really quickly to multi-million company. I had like 60 clients that I was supposed to be one-on-one -on -one coaching. And again, like on paper, that is part of my purpose. But the operations of it, spending 40 hours on the phone in this kind of like machine of a company was draining so much of my energy. And I like kept my podcast going on the side and I like did my blog when I felt like it, like to fulfill that thing inside of me again. Um, but, you know, Kelsey has been able to recognize that there's something bigger. Like I want to change the world. I didn't, I wasn't the right fit to be that like cog in the wheel but I was really afraid to leave because finally <laughs> I had a nice consistent income and it was predictable. 
and there was health insurance and, you know, I just turned 29 and it was weird. My brain got kind of into this comfort zone. Right. And so, um, I set specific goals of what I needed to save and achieve in order to leave that job. And I ended up quitting three months before I I hit that goal, like the projected goal of savings and whatever. And I thought it was going to take me three months in that company to hit my goal. Within three weeks of quitting that job, I had exceeded what I had earned, who I could impact, the energy I had, the type of person I was. My husband was like, it's like you're back. Like you have your energy and your spark again. So I get it. I've been in those cubicles. I've put myself in those jobs because- you know, it is about money and it is about health and it is about all that stuff, but it is possible to do it outside of the box you've put yourself in. Yeah. That, that story gave me goosebumps because that is you as a specific manifester setting that specific goal and then letting go of the how and the universe brings it to you probably totally surprised you. Because the universe and the universe shows you mm, not here. This yep. is it's inappropriate to give you this gift here. <laughs> like you need so to give true. it to you when you're giving your gift to the world. That is so true. Yeah. And I mean, getting this job, like I said, it was a good fit at the time because I had this list of non-negotiables. And then it literally fell in my lap. Like without me really even looking for it. And I was like, well, I guess I have to take this. And then it was the right fit. But we as humans, especially we as entrepreneurs, are in constant evolution. And so this idea that I had to stay at this job for five years, or you have to stay in your cubicle until retirement or whatever is like so silly in today's day and age where there really is opportunity to expand and create and get paid well for it. We are no longer in a world where there are starving artists. Yeah. One of my clients sells her artwork on Instagram and she earns six figures a year and she like travels and does her thing. Like because of the technology that we have now, um, you really can get paid to do like anything. I saw this article yesterday that it was, it was a headline about a scientific study that quantum teleportation has been proven up to 44 kilometers. It's talking about a little particle And if it's possible for a little particle, it's possible for everything. And you guys can thank me for that because I've been manifesting this ever since I lived in Wisconsin and it would be freezing, freezing, freezing. Like, I just want to teleport home. I just want to (laughs) teleport. But that's super exciting. And it comes back to this idea that like, if it's possible for other people, places, or things, it's just proof of concept, like borrow that proof, borrow that confidence, borrow that success, because the only way that it's going to happen for you is if you believe in it. Yes. Oh, yes. And that reminds me of something that the words came to me while I was swimming last week, but really you just got to believe in the light more than you believe in the dark Mm -hmm. and start by believing in the light just as much as you believe in the dark. And then believe a little bit more in the light than the dark. Yeah. Yeah. You will find it, whatever you're looking for. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where was that coming? Like, is there something that's been true for you in that or everything like thinking about Western medicine and how we tell people what's wrong with them. And Mm -hmm. there might be one part of your body that's not functioning optimally. And then there are 99 parts that are functioning 
functioning optimally? Mm -hmm. What if we celebrated those Mm -hmm. 99 parts? And what if we brought more energy to those 99 parts? What happens then? What's possible? I love that. I love that. I was just talking to a friend. I was getting anxious um, with quarantine and the holiday season. I've been like drinking more wine than I would. And I was getting all worked up about it. And I was like, I don't know like what this is about. It's just like everything is an excuse. And should I be worried about this? And she's like, Hannah, like you do so many other good things for yourself. Like, I don't know why this one habit, this one thing that's coming up is like got you in this downward spiral. Mm. And I was like, that is so true. I did have mushroom tea and meditate and yoga and like do all these other things before I had that wine. <laughs> but all my focus went on the negative thing that I was doing for my health right now. Not that I like survived a pandemic and still like stay active through it. It's interesting how we do well, that. It's like the, the negativity bias, which is if somebody says something negative to us, we're going to remember it and we're going to dwell on it. And it's the ratio is, if I remember correctly, it's nine to one. It takes nine positive things for you finally to move on Mm. that negative thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that rings true for me, especially we were saying like words of affirmation is my thing. Mm -hmm. So I especially put um, a lot of thought into the words I hear about myself. (laughs) Yeah. Words Mm -hmm. matter. Absolutely. So let's back up for a second and track your story from you're getting laid off. And then you ended up with this, I feel like we should call it a dream job as far as like J-O-Bs go. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. thing that fell into your lap and then you going out on your own. Yeah. How, walk us through that. So in the process of, you know, working with a startup, I became a certified um, coach. So they put me through life coaching certification. And I also was a registered yoga teacher. So I had had these experiences of like facilitating teacher well-being programs, yoga classes. And so I limped along by doing that. I kind of kept teaching yoga in San Francisco. I opened the, a gym half an hour across town at 5 a.m., <laughs> And, you know, did those kind of things because I knew that. Um, but I also knew that, like, I wasn't always just going to, like, teach yoga and, and gym classes. I knew I wanted to have more freedom and flexibility to be remote, to work online. I was meeting people doing that. And so I spent six months sitting in this tiny apartment after doing the gym thing bright in the morning, binging on zero calorie brownies, which are the type that are harmless, right? Zero calorie. Like it won't hurt me. I'm just going to keep scarfing down free webinars, free courses, eBooks, textbooks, all these little munchies that other people were telling me was going to be the secret sauce to success. So I'm binging on zero calorie brownies, trying to learn this stuff from other people, the scrappy way and got bloated (laughs) just like you would with real zero calorie brownies. I was exhausted. I was bloated. I had gained weight. I had gone nowhere because I realized that I couldn't just copy and paste what other people said was the secret sauce. I needed to figure out what was going to be true for me. So I luckily manifested, I guess we could say, um, some really outstanding mentors who literally took me by the hand and were like, okay, here, here are the strengths you have now. You have this background in yoga, mindfulness. Um, I also kind of skipped over the whole like 
eating disorder era of my life. Um, and that I, you know, I had recovered from that in some ways through therapy and other practices. So I had this little toolkit and they said, you are one step ahead. A lot of women who need your help, who need to get out of this cycle of diet, who need to, um, treat their bodies and their minds better. So I was able to start life coaching women with eating disorders, bringing in the tools that I had just as that 25 year old brand new, I don't know what I'm doing girl. (laughs) And so through that process, and again, back to this idea that we're all in an evolution, I started working with a lot of those clients and realized that wasn't really where I wanted to be. It wasn't a totally healthy space for me, but along the way I had learned how to market, enroll, deliver, um, and do sales. So that's what I started transitioning into more of the like marketing and sales for other coaches, because I know what health coaches do and life coaches do is critical. And again, they came in here with that blueprint to coach and transform lives. I've got this set of skills and this type A personality and this creative brain that can help them market and sell. And so that that's where I'm at right now is kind of connecting my zone of genius to health coaches zone of genius. So we can keep impacting the world and creating a ripple effect of health and wellness. Mm. I mean, that is literally the ripple effect. You being like, here are my gifts. If I help these people, then they're going to help hundreds of other people who might help hundreds of other people. I just feel I'm having fun. Yeah, exactly. Like I wasn't having fun coaching those types of clients, but I was having really fun hanging out with my coach friends. So it was again, just that like, where am I going to have the most fun? And what do I know that they don't know? And that's really my number one advice. I get asked this a lot of like in those six months of eating zero calorie brownies, I wish I would have been hitting the sidewalk, talking to real people and understanding what their needs were, what their questions were. And if I had something that could help them, because I was just in this, like, I need to learn more. I need to present myself fancy. I need to have a website. Like I was just coming at it from a very self-centered perspective. Whereas if I had hit the sidewalk, like we do today and just talk to real people, figure out if we can help them, you know, I would have sped up the business process a lot for myself. That I need to present myself fancy. I think that's going to resonate with so many people because there's, I admit that, so I worked, I worked for the federal government as a marine biologist for a year in a gray cubicle, wearing a a costume, you know, essentially wearing a button down shirt, collars, shirts don't look good on me, you know, like wearing real shoes that I would take off the second I got to my desk every single time. So people's like, people would be like, Kelsey, come here. And I'd be like, okay, hold on. (laughs) on. Um, And, and then just being able to wear the clothes that are me. Yeah. I think sometimes we discount the importance of that, Mm -hmm. not wearing a costume and like wherever Mm -hmm. this idea of these silly little work costumes came from, I think they're going out the door in some ways with this whole um, quarantine thing. I can totally relate to that. What I would do though, is I would wear yoga pants and then a dress. So it looked, I had like leggings and a dress all the time. And then I would just like change my shirt and do yoga at 10 AM. Like I told you. (laughs) See, my trick was get up, go to like a 5 AM spin class, or I would bike to work. Yeah. 
which got a little dangerous. I worked in DC, so it got a little dangerous biking home because that was also school pickup time mm-hmm. and along my route. And people don't like don't get in the way between the car and the kids. Okay. The kids. Um, and then I'd go to swim practice late at night. In hindsight, I can see like these are the ways I was maintaining my joy. Spin yeah. Practice. Oh, totally. In the morning, swimming at night, and in the middle, I just got to make it through the day. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the counting the hours of my life was, uh, the routine and it was same for me. Like I'm going to count the time until I can go to yoga until I can go to swim. And that was like what it was. I just saw this meme of a girl crying in her car and she's like, I just realized I'm just going to go home and eat. And then I have to do it all again. (laughs) And that was totally me. Right. It was just like, get through the day. The workout will be the exciting part. And then do it again. And that's back to the childhood thing, like work hard during the week and then sit on the couch because you didn't have, you're not having fun. You're just exhausted Mm -hmm. from playing, playing the role, I think. Yeah. And here we both are proof that it can be totally different. Yeah. Just like bouncing from thing to thing to thing, having an absolute blast all day, every day. And you can teleport yourself back to Wisconsin at any time. Yeah, that'll be great. So great. Um, there was something I wanted to go back to because you, when we were talking about presenting yourself fancy, and then we kind of talked about how that manifests in work clothes. I'm also curious because a lot of what I was doing to present myself fancy was like setting up, like I said, website, online profiles. And you recently like retired from social media. Is this true? I need to know more about, about this. This is true. And this is glorious. Yeah. Um, yeah. In May, I I got so I guess a year ago now. So it's December right now, and about a year ago, I took two weeks off social media and like kind of the internet. I yeah. would swoop into email like every four days just to make sure there wasn't something I absolutely positive like a bill I needed to pay or something. Yeah. Uh, but I, that was a good practice, and I saw so much. I felt I felt the FOMO. I felt. And then I also saw, I saw the headlines and the posts and the email subject lines totally differently. I saw this amazing lack mindset that we promote this like last chance, get it before it's gone all over the place. And was like, Mm. oh, not that. So I did like my practice round then. And then I had no idea this was coming, but in May, I just got this huge nudge, get off social media. And within two weeks I was like uh, I don't know if I'm going back ever people are so many people I have said this to people with online businesses and they're like yeah. yeah but I have an online business and I'm like no my brain Hi. is like how do you work how do how does your online business work yeah. like- so podcast YouTube which is something that came out of this experience uh word of mouth yeah I gotta tell you like I'm so surprised every time somebody books a session, I'm like, I, so what just like lights me up so much about human design is I get to see the person's soul and then I get to meet the human that goes with that. And so by the time I meet the human, I'm like, hi, who are you? Where did you come from? And I'm always like, seriously, where did you come from? So right now there's a whole lot of faith in the process and my business is doing better than it was when I was on social media. I think one of the things that, especially as coaches, 
one of the things that can happen is, so there's coaches and you working with other coaches is perfect because as coaches marketing to non-coaches, people get really inspired by us, right? Like we're, we're living the dream life. It's our real life. And then they take that inspiration and run with it. And they don't then sign on with us. They don't sign on to do the work to really, truly make their life, their dream life. Um, so we're this great inspiration factory, but we're not actually like bringing in the business. And those people aren't actually doing the deep work to really, truly create the impact. Yeah. So yeah. I think by being more like, you know, hitting the sidewalk, essentially. Totally. Yeah. And you can do that outside of, you know, DMs and stuff. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah. That's part of the, like, um, the fear for me. Right. So like before I was working, like I should be happy. Like I'm coaching dozens of people. I'm getting this consistent paycheck. Like it's that, like, I should be happy with this and then getting out of it was when I was like, oh my gosh, like my business blew up and I could make this so much more simple for myself. And now as you're speaking, I'm realizing I'm in a comfort zone right now of like social media. Like, of course, like everyone's right there looking at me and I can do all these things. And like, I'm kind of curious. I wonder, you know, what it would look like if I just said, I'm going to step outside of that comfort zone and open up to whatever's on the other side. But you know, this is so true. It's those like the security guards of my comfort zone, the guys like yelling things at me, like, no, no, no. But like, it's working for me, but no, like this is how it's always been. And like, you'll don't change it until you have to. So it's amazing. I'm observing myself, like pushing up against the comfort zone that you're talking about breaking through. All right. I was just talking about earlier today when I first started coaching, I always said that my, most of my clients came to me and they were at the edge of a cliff. And that is like the cliff, the cliff of possibilities, the cliff of greatness. And they were on that edge of the cliff and they'd been there so long that they'd moved a couch over and they had like a sleeping bag on the couch. Like they had fully moved in to that cliff front. And it sounds like that's where you are right now. Just on that cliff at the edge of your comfort zone. What's the worst? I'm always freaking there. I feel like I'm always teetering on some like crazy thing I'm going to do. Like you said the like always changing things that has been me too. You know, I gave you guys the like speedy route of like coaching people with eating disorders to now doing marketing and sales. But like my parents have seen me with 87 different business offers and like all these ideas. I'm always changing stuff. So I feel like I'm always teetering on some cliff. (laughs) Um, And honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's what I was going to ask you. Like always evolution is constant change. And it, there's that, like being on the edge, being on the edge of something. This is how we start things. And as manifesting generators, you and I are both here. You said you're a tra- trailblazer. We are here to literally carve our own paths, do stuff that no one has ever done before. Which is inevitably on that leading edge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We can go to the mentors and we're not going to do exactly what they do. You told me this though, too, somewhere in my chart, like I shared to you, like I had to experience like, mm-hmm. and that's why the words of like, be the change you wish to see or like reform education. I'm like talking to you about like, we need to not do algebra this way. We need to do mindfulness this way. And yeah, for me, so much of it is experiencing. And I'm curious from your work, is that common that people need to experience it to really like understand? So for you, yes, 
but that's about to change because so you're a four six like me and this is where human design gets weird so the six line for the first 30 years of your life is a three line and the three is all about learning through experimentation learning through personal experience threes anyone with a three in their profile doesn't know anything unless they experience it themselves. You can tell them, like you can tell a three, five, that's not going to work for you. Or you're not going to like that flavor. And they literally, it doesn't work. It's a waste of time for you to tell, tell them that. So as after the first 30 years, like after your Saturn return, Mm -hmm. that three becomes a six, which is the role model. And it starts, Mm -hmm. you know, we're always going to have some experimentation in our life. But that role model vibe, I think you're supposed to fully step into it around age 50. And so it's this process until then. And it's fascinating. I do see that I am, I guess, more in that role model mold. And people see me more as a role model now Mm -hmm. than they used to, which I still, I'm still the same person. Mm -hmm. I still just want to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think that, um, I, I don't know why I'm going back to like social media. Right. And I think being a, both a trailblazer and a role model is extremely powerful that you can just make these decisions, draw these lines in the sand and have people follow you in, in the new direction, right. Off of social media, keep finding you. You know, there's a lot I do. And I remember this from when I quit my job, it's kind of like the close your eyes and jump. Yeah. It's, and it's the, this is cliche to start before you're ready, but this is a practice of mine. And I realize it's, it's, I use it in sports. I use it when I'm doing a workout, like I'm about to start an interval and it's ready. It doesn't matter if you're ready. You, you just like, it's time to go. I feel like we did that with this show. You're like, are you ready? I was like, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> And I didn't even know what I, I really know where we're going. I was like, okay, cool. If you don't know where we're going, then I don't have to know where we're going either. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that reminds me, I want to jump back to education. Tell yeah. me more about what you're doing, like what age group. Yeah. More. Um, yeah, absolutely. So one of the mentors I mentioned that helped me, you know, kind of held my hand and helped me realize that your dreams can be real was Jack Canfield. He wrote the book, The Success Principles, and he's become a close friend and mentor of mine because I like basically fangirled him until he knew me. <laughs> um, and so he's at, he's much older. He's in his like seventies. Um, and he's a former teacher. So he has a background as well in education. He experimented with a lot of this in classrooms in like the seventies. And, um, he's interested in starting to bring this curriculum back to the classroom. He, he created, if you go, he created a very successful career, like monetizing success with adults. And now this is kind of like his legacy, I think. And so he has this set of like 63 things that I worked that have helped me get to where I am. Just when you work the principles, the principles always work. Um, And my husband is a former seventh grade teacher, also has, you know, gone through Jack's programs and knows Jack. And then in that community, we've networked with other teachers, people who like have this idea. So we've put together a little coalition of educators teachers, um, trainers, Jack. And right now we're adapting the curriculum and starting to pilot it in 
primary schools. So like middle and high schools. And the idea is like our vision is that every U.S. graduate will have to go through a success class, whatever we call that, whether that's like life skills, you know, maybe you had like home ec where I learned how to put a button on, you know, like those types of classes. We want to um, at least have every U.S. student go through these these principles. So we have a big vision to have this be in every school by 2030, and it's going to take a lot of testing you know, I don't know if you know much about education, but they care a lot about research backed everything. So um, we have a, a lab who's running tests on the East Coast on this so that we'll have the data like it really is all coming together. But we know it's a massive initiative and we'll probably have to get, you know, presidents or big officials on board, but we're really just planting the seeds and experimenting. And uh, so far, it, it's definitely working. Kids will at least know how to set a goal before they're 18. That's the idea. The things that I don't realize that I learned through athletics. Mm -hmm. I think I've heard so many people, especially in 2020, talking about how different their lives, their adult lives would be if they had learned mindfulness, if they had learned about emotions if they had learned about relationships in school and how much more valuable that would be to them than the stuff they did learn. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And this goes back to that, like, op, like a society that's operating in harmony or at its best and all the problems we see between cancer, racial disparities, um, mental health, like all the problems we see, I think goes back to these masks that we were talking about, whether it's buttoning up a shirt and pretending to be someone you're not every day in your cubicle, or it's working for, um, you know, money, which is never actually going to fulfill you, or it's, um, you know, people pleasing, like you kind of, we've talked about this before. I really believe that if we have some freaking self-awareness, we can be way more compassionate for each other. I mean, it, again, this is where it's like, I've experienced some of this because of learning yoga and starting a business and being on this entrepreneurial journey. And so now it's about just starting to like get everyone some self-awareness tools so they can gut check. Like, am I totally out of alignment? Because if one of us is out of alignment, the whole, I mean, you talked about how we're all puzzle pieces. If one of us, you know, changes our borders, then we're never going to fit together Mm -hmm. in a well operating world. Yeah. Oh, this is so important too. I also hear a lot of people, they try and use age as a reason for why they've developed self-awareness. And frankly, I don't buy it at all. I think that we can be self-aware as kids. And I know a lot of people in their seventies who aren't self-aware yet. Dude, I feel like, and maybe, and I think this is true of um, our charts that you, you dive into. I think we come in here knowing exactly who we are and then we are trained out of it for the rest of our lives. I agree. We're from day one. We start, people start shooting on us. Yep. Right away. That's conditioning. And then the whole rest of our life is clearing that out. So we remember who we are. Yeah. You just gave me an idea. Maybe this is like about connecting to some of the unlearning movement, unschooling, some of that. Uh, Cause right now 
again, you're pushing me up against some comfort zones with this education movement, we're connecting to existing structures. We're going into schools and we're creating online and in-person stuff. But let me throw this out there. I don't know enough about it, so I hesitate to say this, but some of my friends who are really into astrology have been telling me that this 2020 change, okay, whatever you want to call what's happening right now, is the beginning of like a seven-year reformation that everything in society is going to change from like you just mentioned teleportation. I've been joking about that. Like who cares about traffic? That's not going to be an issue in 10 years Um, to the way we do school, to the way that we work. We're already seeing that to the way we earn money and exchange value, like the dollar. We've already been hearing about Bitcoin, all these other things. Like over the next seven years, 2027, everything is going to be shaken up. And so as we're having this conversation, you're leading me to the leading edge of thought, which is everything I'm thinking about with education right now, we're plugging into existing structures. But just like quitting social media, just like not going back to your day job, like we've got to think about that abyss that we don't know about, um, which is scary, but also thrilling. So thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. And my friend Tina and I have been doing class doesn't seem like the right word, but we've been doing these things. I I literally put it in my calendar as the teen thing. We have this group Mm -hmm. of teenagers that we're teaching them their human design. We're teaching them Mm -hmm. self-awareness. We're teaching them mindfulness. We don't really know what we're doing yet. We're just playing with it. And we just like feel that there's a need. In that age group, that's why I love starting with like middle and high schoolers because they're so receptive. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're doing that. What? Yeah. I'd love to know more about what the thing is. <laughs> yeah. It's evolving as yeah. like a day by day. Yeah. Um, but perhaps it is supposed to be something bigger. Yeah. No, it's supposed to be something bigger. But and everything starts as that, those baby steps, right? Exactly. The little baby seeds grow up to be the little sprouts and then the seedlings. And I'm already gone too far into a plant analogy and I can't really get myself out but <laughs> further. <laughs> It's blossoming. Keep going. There we go. There we go. Um, I was on a broccoli sprout (laughs) and when it blossoms, I think it tastes bitter. So you don't want that. Anyway, human design says that in 2027, we enter a new paradigm. Yes. Okay. Yes. The current paradigm, which is like, you know, we're all in the, we're total transition period right now. And supposedly as we each reach towards the end of the cycle, things start speeding up. Because it's kind of like this pressure to, we got to get all these lessons in before we reach the new paradigm. And this current paradigm that we're phasing out of is, yeah, all about structure, like banks, the a financial system is what we know, education is what we know. And I mean, haven't we seen it in 2020? 2020 is all about burning it all down. Right. It's not right. about structure anymore. It's about going to be about the puzzle pieces fitting together. So we all rise together. This conversation is solidifying so many random thoughts that I've had. I so appreciate your perspective because like I said, I'm hesitating to share this. Um, But yeah, I I think that really solidifies this idea that we're never going back to normal and we have to start getting comfortable with the discomfort, the unknown and the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I I keep coming back to that in a lot of ways. Yeah, Yeah, we we think you know, we are all those clients I was talking about who are on the edge of the cliff and we're all floating in midair in, in the air of possibility right now. We have no idea where we're going to land. 
Yeah. We just yeah, need to and do that. Exactly. And so I hear a lot of people saying, oh, like this is not the right time to start something. I'm just going to wait till things quiet down. There's too much chaos outside. Like I'm not going to make a change within me. And I fundamentally disagree. Like this is the exact time to try something new, to expand your horizons, to experiment, to play outside of the, you know, cubicle because, um, yeah, in a certain time, it's way more difficult to like break the, break the rules when they're so, um, set in place and, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. You know, like I said, this is a conversation that's reaffirming a lot of wonderings I've had and you're getting me, um, really eager for what's possible and where we're going collectively. Yeah, me too. I'm psyched. And I kind of want to wrap this up so we can talk more (laughs) (laughs) one-on-one. So Hannah, is there anything else that you feel like you need to say before we just tell people where they can find you? Yeah, it's the um, the permission to listen to that thing inside of you. Mm. So there's a lot of noise and voices and people who will tell you to be quiet, to sit down. That's crazy. You're not ready. You're too old. You're too young. You're too this and that. And if that thing is inside of you, it's not going away. You might get good at ignoring it. You might see it manifest in dis-ease. Um, but I wish I, again, had that advice sooner that like, that's not crazy talk. That's something inside of you that you need to pursue and and listen to. And I know if you haven't, like, if you just feel like you're out of place, then you have something inside of you <laughs> to listen to. And there's no prescription. You know, maybe Kelsey can get your chart to really help you take a look at that. Um, but you're not crazy. You're not out of place. You just have to let yourself be you. And I wish, I'm usually not at a loss for words, but I really wish I could be more succinct with that. I I hope it resonates with someone though. Oh, I'll be succinct with it. Find your awesome because that is what your awesome is. It's that thing inside you and it's inside every single one of us. Boom. Thank you. Mm, Thank you for describing it in more detail. My, my human design, there's a piece in my design that says not inclined to provide details. So here you come in with all the details. I love it. Yeah. We fit Growing well up around the, uh, the kitchen table, my parents would ask my brother and I, how are your, how was your day? And my parents say that Jake, my brother would like pick up the paintbrush and set it down. And I would give them every detail of this massive masterpiece of like describing my day. And my brother would be like, you know, pick up the paintbrush and put it back down. Maybe we're kind of like that. (laughs) I love it. It works really well for you. And I think it works well for us. And I'm excited to see what we end up creating going forward. So if people want to hang out with you, learn from you, pay you, um, listen to your podcast, where they, where can they do all of that? Yeah. I mean, just typing in dream life is real life is a great start. And it's a wonderful affirmation for you (laughs) just to type in dream life is real life. And for listeners, I put together a little gift that has all sorts of resources and how to connect me with me. So if you just go to dreamlifeisreallife.com slash show, you can get access to me in in lots of ways. Mm, I love it. And we will of course include that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you, dear. This is fun.
Oh my goodness. Hannah and I had so much fun together and I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. Remember you can get all things Hannah at dreamlifeisreallife.com and you can listen to our podcast, Dream Life is Real Life. And then if you want more of me, you can get that at kelseyabbott.com. And that's where you can schedule your individual human design readings or your partner human design readings, or maybe dig into something around alignment coaching or get a meditation or sign up for a soul magic session with me and Tina. The options are endless. Well, not really, but there are a lot of options and I invite you to explore them all. I love you. You are a miracle and anything, in fact, everything is possible. Go for it and be awesome.